Hey, everybody. Welcome to Babs Buzz. Can you believe it's freaking Halloween? I can't. I was very surprised and happy that I, I got the time to see Pumpkin Nightmare by Pia. I absolutely loved it. It's my favorite short. It's um, actually going to be the Silver Batella Agency short of the year. So woohoo! Uh, props goes out to Pia. Absolutely hysterical short. I loved watching it. Um, it, it was really cool because you knew something obviously was going to happen with the pumpkin, but I love the way the pumpkin's face changed, and I just love that she had guns. It was just hysterical. And leave it to Pia to pound attack with a sledgehammer, you know what I mean? So that was great, Pia. Good on you. Um, in the scripts I read this month corner, and believe it or not, I really wasn't thinking about Halloween, but it just happened that way. I read Insidious. Oh, my gosh. What a great script. Writing Props Corner goes out to Insidious this month, really, for great writing kids. No kidding. I, as you, many of you know, and some of you may not, because if you're listening for the first time, welcome. I cannot watch many scary things. I have a very hard time with visuals. I, I nightmare easily. It's just something my whole life I've had a challenge with. And believe it or not, it actually started with a a very rare film that I don't think anyone's ever seen except me called The Crawling Eye. And um, it, it started with that and uh, and also the, the original thing that, that freaked me out. But um, it, it, it really came to what uh, Blake Snyder might call the critical midpoint, page 55. It came to a midpoint for me when I saw The Exorcist, and I had nightmares for days, not just because I'm a Christian and that stuff is very real to Christians, but not, you know, I mean, people aren't possessed anymore. It's a very rare occurrence. But the fact is that the visuals and the story and the direction and the music and the acting combined freaked me out. Well, I read, in, I saw the trailer for Insidious, and I knew I wouldn't wouldn't see it, but I'm brushing up on horror anyway. I'm learning about the pace and the tempo. It's not something our our particular agency looks at very often, but occasionally, you know, we get a, a horror writer that we have to hip pocket, and that does happen. So I read Insidious, and man, oh man, it's Carol Ann. You guys got to read this script. It's so good. It's a very interesting spin on astral projection. I don't think astral projection's really been entertained that much visually i mean it has a very poltergeist vibe to it obviously but boy oh boy it's so good so uh props goes out to that writer i apologize i, I didn't write his name down in my notes prep um i signed a new writer this month this is a good story joe downey Woohoo! welcome joe downey to silver patella agency he's in pittsburgh i found out about joe downey vis-a-vis pitch fest so i'm going to digress to make a point Whenever someone says to me, oh, I don't want to go to Pitch Fest, I can understand your feelings. It's a real effort physically, emotionally. There's a lot of highs. There's a lot of lows. You're taking in so much information. It's a very exhausting couple of days. But uh, when I taught my class, the first thing, it's about 100 people in there. In fact, Brett Martin, you may remember, he was in my class that day. I said to the class, the first thing I said to everyone is, okay, you now have access to an agent. That's me. I'll hip pocket anybody. Just holler back. If someone makes you an offer, don't do anything. Call me and I'll write up the deal. Now let's talk about your part of the bargain, what you have to do to get that to happen. You have to write a great script. I mean, you guys know this is not complicated. You, and not that it's not complicated, but you know what I mean. That's what it takes. You know, it's it's not Ed Water and Stir. you got to write a great story, okay? Not Insta Mom, Insta Dad, where you just, you know, put a little sugar in there and there it is. It doesn't work that way. It takes 
real voice, real craft, real skill, real chops, real commitment, and real talent. Uh, none of which I have, but I do have a passion for story, and, and I seem to be developing my story analysis skills very quickly, and thus I think I'm getting better at it faster now because I'm doing it so much. But it's probably just because I'm doing it so much. It doesn't make me that special. Although I will say that when it comes to nailing a pitch, I really seem to be able to do that. Having said that, I signed Joe Downey on a, based on a script called Rhino. It's friggin' hysterical. Now, you guys can't read it because it's got a – you know, it's a, it's what they call sequestered material, but um, it, it's it's going to uh, it's the option's been done. It has to be fully executed for wets, meaning blue ink signatures, on Monday, and uh, once that's done, the the uh, producer will start his uh, his dance, and I can't be more proud and more delighted. So here's how this went down. I tell everybody at the class, you've got an agent if you need one. This guy calls me up and says, "Listen, I think I got something you might like." sends it over. It's terrific. He says, oh, by the way, I think I have a buyer. The buyer and I connect. We also clicked. I can't really disclose too many of the particulars to you yet because that is handled by the publicity department and we can't go wide with it until in terms of, it's not a huge picture. It's a small budget, but it's going to be a monster when it goes because it's freaking hilarious and it's going to go viral. But I'm not allowed to disclose too many of those things, primarily because it's not my project to run with. It's the producer's, so he has to do that. And you'll read about it in Ink Tip when it comes out, which I think is in two months. Anyway, I signed this writer because he did his half of the bargain. What was that, you ask? Hit rewind. Great story, great writing, great voice, characters I cared about. I was dying to see where it was going. No profanity, which was really great. Didn't start with a voiceover. Hallelujah. Finally, a script that doesn't start with a friggin' um, – voiceover love that so props to joe downey for handing me a hit he basically handed me new shoes new boots maybe even a roof okay uh which brings me to option heaven i got two deals done i got his done and i got uh, the option done for strain that's going to be an ink tip so watch for it you can see the details there i don't want to get boy with the details um option hell here we go aka all that noise. Oh, man. You, I, I, t I tell you straight up, kids, the only reason why I tolerate option hell is because when option heaven happens, it's, you know, it's obviously the antidote. Martin Lancaster is a gem. He's a great writer. He's a total professional. And he's been jumping through a variety of hoops. We finally may have the option deal penned for him. He's been amazing. So, uh, and, and really, it's his tenacity and his talent that's getting it done. It has nothing to do with me. All I'm doing is answering the phone. But um, I am fighting for him. And that, uh, that speaks to um, my tenacity in this business, which brings me to the Tenacity Award. That goes to a film called Hate Mail. You can look it up on IMDb Pro and see why. They get the Tenacity Award for the month of October. I'm going to do something a little different, something a little mundane right now. I'm going to actually do the grammar corner. You guys bug me when you do this. We're going to talk about mom. I'm going to talk about dad. When you do mom, if mom can be replaced with a pronoun, in other words, a person's name, mom gets a capital M. For example, hi, comma, mom. If you could say, hi, comma, Jane, that mom gets an M. You with me? Conversely, you could say, hi, dad. You could take dad out and put John in. It would be hi, comma, dad, capital D. 
Are you with me, guys? Stop putting lowercase mom and dad when you can replace it with a proper noun. This is bugging me to no end. It's a typo. It's wrong. Don't do it. Okay? Now you've been spanked. Here's another one that gets me. Oh, so by the way, having said that with the capital M and the capital D, if you're saying, well, Michael Cornetto's mom is beautiful, you would use lowercase m. Because you wouldn't say Michael Cornetto's Jane is beautiful, right? So that's how you test it. Okay. Next is well. Well pretty much always gets a comma after it. You can't do well he's a jerk without a comma after the well. There's a soft breath or a soft beat there. Well, comma, he's a jerk. You can't do well he's a jerk with no comma. Two, which is T-O-O, the also two, T-O-O, comma. That's important. For example, I know two, T-O-O, comma, that there's nothing like a cold beer on a hot night. I know two, comma. Okay, so those are important little, I know they seem little, but uh, they are important. And it bugs me when you don't do that, when you don't do it correctly. So, And I will constantly jump on a writer for this. I know it seems small to you, but it really does interrupt the reading flow when you see grammatical errors and typos. So please don't do that. Uh, industry props goes to, here's my drum roll. Courageous. You ready for this? Budget. Two million. That's right. Two million. Right now, it's hovering in the $20 million range. Do you think Sony did the right thing by distributing it? Hoorah. Congrats on Sony. Now, you remember a couple of minutes ago, I mentioned about option hell and option heaven. That brings me to other horses in the race. When I give you guys, I am very hesitant and very aware of what good news can do to writers. Because other writers can be offended. They have envy. I know that. It's normal. Don't worry about it. Just shake it off. Why? Your job as a writer is not to look at other horses in the race ever. Your job, I mean, you can study from them, obviously, but you don't look to your left and look. Why do horses have blinders on when they run? Duh. So they're not distracted. You guys, gals, please don't look at other horses in the race. It's not necessary. Don't compare yourself to other people. You look at somebody like Phil, who wrote uh, Mafia Dogs. He's just grinding away. Great writing, grinding away. Lightning will strike him. He's just grinding away. When it's his turn, it's his turn. It'll happen. You can't look at other horses in the race. Why? Well, first of all, that's when you fall. Absolutely. Just look at any racetrack where it's happened, where a horse has been distracted or spooked, and watch what happens. They go down. If they don't go down, they definitely lose. It's very rare that they rally after that. So if you're if you're thinking that – I am trying to tell you that jealousy and envy are, are very normal emotions that may pass over your uh, eyes and ears and heart and mind from time to time. But please don't let it dominate what you do. And please don't let – whenever someone comes to you with good news like I did today or if you're at a cocktail party and they go, good, you know, a great news, say, oh, I'm so jealous, fabulous, good for you, good on you, always feel free to be liberal with your attaboys. Number one, it's gracious. It's just the right thing to do. Number two, if nothing else, it shows you that there's hope for you or there's hope out there and that things may actually go. So please don't look at other horses in the race. I don't want to be redundant. Beat a dead horse. Get it? (laughs) That's funny. Okay. Uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of things. First of all, I want to talk about when and where and why I stopped reading a particular script. 
I have seen so many scripts this month where I will read one page and I can't even believe someone had the nerve to send it to me. Now, that's okay. Send it. But truly, uh, the reason why I stop reading is several fold. Obviously, bad writing, meaning, you know, it's it's dense, it's grammatically incorrect, there's typos, the person didn't bother to research how it's supposed to look on the page. But also because there's nothing interesting going on. Whenever you can get your any time you start a screenplay, whenever you can start mid-scene, do it. I have a screenplay, which shall remain nameless, that I opened up today because really the script should have been sold by now, but I can see why it wasn't sold because it's written in a very dense fashion. It, there's a lot of black on the page. It's very tedious. It's very hard on the eyes. There's just too much crap on the page. So I call, I sent an email to the writer. I go, look, I'm going to take one more shot at this. In my opinion, you can trim this down. Why don't you try? And the writer came back to me. She said, you know, frankly, it, you know, it, I think I'm going to just have somebody else do it. I'll pay somebody to do a polish. And I said, fine, one, of my, one or two of my writers can handle it for you for very little money. I don't get a commission on it, but let's have somebody fix it for you. Why is that? Because it seems to me that when someone opens a script of merit, meaning a producer and a, who's a decision maker who can get some traction on some work, if they're looking at this particular script and they're going, geez, I can't believe the agent sent this to me. It's, it, I don't care about me looking bad. bad. I don't sweat that. Okay, that's a, As far as I'm concerned, that's a fart in the wind. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you want them to be engaged from jump. You have one page you may get to. So why do I stop reading? Bad writing, dense writing, too many adjectives. L-Y hell, I-N-G, very passive voice. You guys know this. If you're new to the show, play the other 16, and you'll have an AA degree in what to do. And you'll know how to do it. And you know what? You'll be probably 100 steps ahead of most screenwriters out there who don't listen to the show. Because honestly, I take all this stuff that I learn, and I share it with you guys. And every time I learn something new, I share it with you guys. So please, play the other shows. In fact, Michael and I were actually entertaining the idea of possibly doing a – Hmm. How shall I say this? Best of? Does that sound arrogant? I don't mean it like that. Doing a best of show. And, you know, I don't think I'm going to do that, Michael, because I'm learning so much that I want to share with Simply Scripts. I mean, I actually may have a deal based on a website. Think about this, guys. I actually may have – I signed – okay, I signed Martin Lancaster, as you guys know, and I fell in love with his writing, and he sent me another script, yay, and I may actually have a deal for him coming up very soon. Now think about this. Simply Scripts is a website which shows people how to write, how to do this. I sign a writer who may actually get sold, who may actually get produced. Do you realize what kind of the perfect storm that has to line up for that to even go down? So I don't think I'm going to do a best of. I think I'm going to do another show. And of course, as usual, if you guys want to put some ideas on Facebook or Simply Scripts, you know I'm open to it. So, And I would love a bunch of questions. So if you guys have questions, hit me with it because you know I always love to do that interchange. And, you know, I posed, I think it was last month, Michael, yeah, where we talked about maybe having a guest on the show. Most of the people, I think intuitively I knew this. I don't think this is the right um, venue for a meet 
interviewing because you can't see us. And the truth is, unless the person's in the room with me and I can't anticipate them speaking, there's a lot of uh, vocal trampling on each other. And as you guys know, I, I put a lot of information in in a half hour. So I think I'm going to stick with this format if it's okay with the audience out there. You guys can let me know. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Which brings me to when did I let a contest win, psych me up, only to be incredibly disappointed by the script. Oh, I can't even tell you how many times. What contest writers look for eludes me. I couldn't tell you what it is. I, I mean, I'm sure I know basically they're looking for great stories. But I can tell you straight up that I've, I have not seen a lot of market-ready scripts. Now, that doesn't, make the, that doesn't make it bad writing. It just means that to go to the next um, particular step in that person's career, they're going to have to do some things to tweak it. Then again, uh, why re why would you rewrite for free? See if you can get an option because the, you're a, a prize winner. So I've been disappointed in, uh, with a few writers that I've read who have been winners and people who place. My own client's one of them. You know, she sent me something. It's doing really well on the on the contest circuit, but it's not market ready. She's tweaking it. She knows. She's like, no worries. I'm on it. She's on it like a monkey on a cupcake. Okay, but she's much prettier than you know, your average monkey. Okay, no, she's beautiful. Um, the book I'm going to talk about, you guys know I like to talk about books. I'm going to talk about Writing the Second Act by Michael. I hope I don't massacre your name, Michael. I'm sorry. Michael Halperin. Oh, man. There is. Okay. I read a Let me tell you why I'm talking about this particular book, Writing the Second Act. That's usually where scripts, if I get that far, they drop. Okay, it's just the bottom drops out. It's a mess. The, the, for some reason, the script loses its way. And if I if I've gotten to the second act and the script loses its way, I'm going to kick notes back to the writer saying you need to fix the second act. I'm not going to tell you how, but it's a mess. Fix it. That happened recently with with a writer who shall remain nameless, who, by the way, is a Nichols finalist. He sent me a script that is killer and market ready. And I brought it to Jamie Foxx's manager. I haven't heard anything yet, but we'll see what happens. It, Jamie Foxx would be foolish not to do it. But to, between me, you, and the four walls, I would love to see an African-American actor who's not famous do the particular role in this particular screenplay because it's a star maker for the right young talent. It could really jettison a fresh, new African-American actor who has great chops. And to be perfectly candid without sounding superfluous, the actor has to be, have a beautiful face to make it work. They have to have a very, they'd have to be kind of a young Morgan Freeman, very almost Cherokee and African-American. Anyway, um, this writer who wrote this particular story, who shall remain nameless, he sends me a script, beautifully written, but it doesn't know what it wants to be. It's suffering from a, a very severe identity crisis. My, uh, this particular writer, as many others, would benefit greatly by uh, writing the second act by Halperin. He gets into the very meat of why the B story really is the through line and why the through line really is why the script exists in the first place. Now, you guys know, after talking to me and getting to know me and sending me emails and all that stuff, I am not I don't critique for the sake of being a sadist. It's just not my speed. I'm not like that. I critique because it pisses me off that you guys don't see what I see and what other people see in your stuff, and I want you to see it. But it's not my job to make you see it. It's not my job to shove a square peg in a round hole. It's your job to sit back and make the, the actual story work. Well, what does that mean? I hearken back, as a broken record that I am, you got to have a table read. I mean, what? It seems to me. That if you have a story that you think is that good, 
and you haven't taken the time to have a table read to hear what actors sound like saying it, and they're not, like I've said a million times, not have to be actors to say it. They have to be people. Because here's what happens. All of a sudden, you begin to realize, wow, the character wants to go left, and I'm forcing the character to go right. And I can tell you from experience, the second act is really going to pop this. And Michael uses, uh, Michael, the author, uses two very good examples. He, I believe he uses In the Line of Fire, and um, I can't recall the other one off the top of my head. But he mentions uh, one other one. I can't recall it. Recall it. He also mentions Notting Hill, which I, I don't know anything about. But as you read, as you read the second act, if you don't have stakes getting upped, new developments happening, new um, holes for the protagonist to fall into, new rocks for the protagonist to get hit with, if you are not upping the stakes, and, and that, by the way, that doesn't mean tanks and bombs. And, you know, you could have a dead cat. All of a sudden, the, you know, the protagonist turns and, you know, he's looking for, uh, you know, uh, uh, he's looking for his uh, keys and he finds a dead cat in, in the house, whatever. Visual cues, visual surprises, things that will make the page pop, that will make the story cut back to the through line, cut back to the, the spine, as it were. Of the, these are critical things that make a story fire. I, I was reading this comedy they told you about called Rhino. and there are no, first of all, not for nothing, this is hysterical, but there are two locations. It's an office and a bar. It's maybe five or six people, maybe seven max. The writer really knew that he wanted to juxtapose his protagonist's poor ability in this particular story against his physical type. And he used that to work with the story in the second act and it's so much so that it almost teeters on slapstick in some spaces which if it's directed right will actually work and it goes along this very fine line of risque but the script never actually tips into rank or disgusting it's just really funny well everything came to light for this particular protagonist now as I go through the second act of this other script that I put down, I said to the writer, look, this isn't anything you can't handle. It's not like you don't know where you want your story to go, what your demographic is, because you already know the ending, and it's probably going to be a sequel anyway. So if you do it this way, why not try, and I hearken back to a couple of different things. Think about where you want the story to go, and do you want your protagonist to go underwater or through a forest do you want your protagonist to go into space or do you want him to go through a desert you have to find ways to actually make that b story resonate in the second act but you can't smack us in the head with it what does that mean well if if i'm writing it i might rely more on visuals than dialogue therein lies the joy of writing dialogue that has very potent subtext and that's really a conversation for another day but in the end if i if i put a script down after a couple of pages it's because it's just boring if i put a script down in the second act it's mostly because the really the storyteller doesn't know where he's, he or she is going that is a that is a much more manageable fix than having something that's a mess from page one wouldn't you agree writers so having said that you may want to pick up the book writing the second act i highly recommend it it's a wonderful read um, if you have any questions about why, about a through line or B story, 
hit me up with an email and I promise you I'll get back to you, of course, time permitting. Sometimes I can do a lengthy email response. Sometimes I can't. Which brings me to the year end. You know, next month we've got uh, Thanksgiving. Of course, I'm going to try and tape uh, right around that time, right after Thanksgiving. And then we've got um, Christmas and I'll do the same thing. If you guys have suggestions for stories, I need uh, for suggestions for shows. I need them. If you have suggestions uh, for a Q and A, I need those. Obviously, if you put uh, questions on the board, it's easier for me to answer them. But if you have a whole bunch of questions and you want to throw them out at me, I'll take them. Now, here is your challenge for October. Okay, you ready? You got a pen. Piece, got a pen and piece of paper. This is for you guys. I would like you to write me a three to five page short taking an inanimate object. This is inspired, by the way, back to Pia. <laughs> so this is kind of cool, Michael. The show beats out. My opening image is going to is going to dovetail with my closing image. Um, I'm running out of time. So you're going to write a one to three to five page, no more than five pages, please, uh, short about an inanimate object speaking to another inanimate object. So, for example, a traffic light's going to talk to a lamppost or a teacup's going to talk to a coffee pot or a teacup's going to talk to, you know, the dog's water dish, whatever I would like you to do. Now, why am I asking you to do this particular exercise? Because you here's this is huge. You're paying attention. Please pay attention. You already have the visual. Everybody knows what you're describing looks like. So now you can speak in subtext. You can speak in a language that only a light post or a traffic light or a teacup or a, tea so uh, or a saucer will understand. Once you start to do things like this and you can what they call, this is a big word, you ready for a 35-cent word? Anthropomorphistically adapt a inanimate object, get it to start talking, you'll be surprised how much better your human dialogue is because you won't have to say as much and you can say a lot with less. This is Babs for Babs Buzz, reminding you that every day that we're alive, it's a joy. Every day that we're free, it's even better. Please remember to keep writing. It's the finest therapy I know of. I do it all the time. I even have a prayer journal. Yeah, and you guys are in it. Um, keep writing. Keep rewriting. And please remember to keep your feet on the ground as you fill your dreams with data and you live your life. Peace.